2: Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
1: Locked on podcast network presents locked on sports today.
3: Justin Verlander ended up in Houston after all. Why did it seem like that was the plan all along? Also, the Orioles actually added at the trade deadline, and this may have been a sneaky good deadline for the Padres. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today.
1: Searching all major sports. Found Let's start with the biggest story.
3: There were rumors of Houston, New York, L.A., Baltimore, even Cincinnati and San Diego. Where would Justin Verlander end up? Locked On's Jeff Carr was joined by Locked On Astros host Eric Heisman, who believes
4: Houston was the plan all along. Eric, when you saw this deal go down, what was your immediate reaction?
5: Well, we, we've been hearing about it for the past few days, and it was just a matter of would the Astros give up Drew Gilbert? Um Ryan Clifford was somebody I thought the Astros would be comfortable trading. He was a highly sought-after college guy. They had to go over slot value to get him, but our high school guy. But um, I think uh, Drew Gilbert was somebody that the Astros wanted to hold on to. And so I think uh, the owner probably had to get involved because he had a good relationship with, uh, with Justin Verlander. And so I think that after seeing everything that's happened, you saw the Rangers get better, you saw the Angels get better, you saw the Rays get better, and you you heard Dusty Baker's comments uh, before yesterday's game. He said it's a little bit disheartening to see all the other teams getting better, and we're just trying to go out there and just try to win ball games and try to do the best job we can. So um, I was shocked with how much they had to give up. Uh, I think that those two players was a big big haul for the Mets Uh, they did a great job there I think
4: a big part of all of the rumors that happened and we saw basically a saga of rumors depending on who you follow on social media of the Astros are the favorites so the Astros had a deal in place and then it fell through and um, okay maybe they're still the favorites and I think at the end of the day the biggest part of this negotiation was who would Justin Verlander waive his no trade clause for and I think that it's hard for me to to really understand any point other than he was waving it just for the Houston Astros.
5: Right. I think that he really wanted to stay in Houston, and I think Jim Crane wanted him to stay in Houston, but you can't. Turn away forty-three million dollars per season at his age, and he uh, at that time he probably thought the Mets were going to be a winning franchise. They're going out there uh, getting all his players, spending all the money. Steve Cohen, he's going to go out there and do what it takes. But they just uh, fell flat on their face this year. Then he was probably a little bit upset that Max Scherzer opted out and uh, got traded to the Rangers, and so he didn't want to be. He's he's not playing baseball. Yes, I'm sure he wants to. Uh, hit some milestones, but he also wants to win world series. He got comfortable doing it with the Astros going to the world series all the time. And so he doesn't want to play on a team that doesn't have that goal. And then once the Mets started that fire sale, I think that yes, they would like to keep Justin Verlander around to have that ACE, to have somebody to their free agents be like, Oh, Justin Verlander's on team. Yeah. Let's go play there. But same time, Justin Verlander had other ideas.
4: I think when you look at this deal, it really puts them high up in the in uh, or in the AL West. When you look at the rest of the division, when you look at the rest of the American League, who is the team that most worries you now, knowing that you've got your ace back? And starting pitching has been a relative strength for the Astros most of the
5: year. Right. Uh, yeah, I know that they've uh, had some losses. Luis Garcia out with Tommy John. You had Lance McCullers uh, pretty much out the whole season. Jose Arquidy has been out for most of the season. Even when he pitched, he wasn't that great. He's about to rejoin the rotation right now, and they're going to go with the six-man rotation. But you've had to count on a lot of rookies this year. JP France has a 2.85 ERA. He's impressing everybody. I don't think uh, by expected production from Brandon Belak. And uh, then Hunter Brown, um, I'm not going to say he's taking a step backwards, but I think that uh, bringing Justin Verlander back, that's Hunter Brown's idol. So to bring him back to the Houston Astros, I think that's going to kind of invigorate him a little bit. Uh, they pitched the same. Uh, he emulated his pitching style off of Verlander. So I think this is going to kind of bring a whole m- – other life to this team that I'm not saying that they've been stagnant or they're in some type of world series hangover, but when you don't have a player like Justin Verlander on the team, uh, it shows. And like, he's, he's very vocal out there and he's very much a team leader. So the Astros had to get this done. And I think that Jim Crane was like uh, Dana Brown, just do what it takes. Let's get it done.
3: Stay up to date all year on the Houston Astros by subscribing to locked on sports today and locked on Astros on your favorite podcast app, and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Baltimore Orioles added, you heard me right, before we get to that, the Marlins brought in some power at the deadline. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball at FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount back in bonus bets. That's up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 bucks you can spend betting everything from the money line to the point total to who you think is going to hit the first home run. The Baltimore Orioles, slight underdogs on the road against the Toronto Blue Jays, FanDuel has the Orioles money line plus 110 for the Wednesday night tilt. Of course, you can also combine multiple prop bets in a single game for a bigger payout with FanDuel's same game parlay, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 back in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball.
1: Now, here's what you need to be locked on today.
3: The Miami Marlins prioritized power batch this deadline
6: day. The Marlins have prioritized some power. That is for sure. They, they, there's been a bit of a deficiency on the power side, the offensive side. And so, yeah, going to get in. you know, Jake Berger was the first deal to drop. And that probably is the biggest deal. Jake Berger and Jake Eder going the other way, which I think it could look like a great deal for the Marlins in the future and now or it could look really bad as well in the future. I think Ida looks like a real nice player too. So, burger for Ida, nice, lot of control with uh, Jake Berger. Um, but then obviously then Josh Bell, happening right after the deadline, but kind of before the deadline, I guess. So, a lot of moving parts here for the fish. Bell, uh, burger in, and then Ida going out, and then Gene Segura uh effectively being acquired by the the Guardians in that deal and then they've just released him straight away so they see no role for Gene Segura he's been released straight away they're just gonna eat that money so a lot to unpack here for this uh for the deadline here for the Marlins but fundamentally they prioritize some power they need some more offense and I think just about they've managed to do that Philadelphia
3: Phillies got some help in their rotation
6: you know,
7: it's funny. Michael Lorenzo has been one of the names that there have been whispers about since we started getting close to the trade deadline. So this wasn't an unexpected move for the Phillies. It fills the need. Their rotation has been good, but your guy in the fifth spot right now is Christopher Sanchez, who made like his fifth start at the Major League level with his first start this year. So you get a guy who's been around the block a little bit more, and you get a guy who is an all-star this year in the American League, who's having a really good year. Uh, the return, as far as how you lead, who's their number five prospect. Uh, it looks like it might be a little bit high, but uh, I can't be upset at the trade. You're contending and trading a 20-year-old at high A ball is not going to kill this team, next year's team, or the team for the next five years. So uh, I like it largely.
3: The St. Louis Cardinals position themselves to build for the future.
7: I'm going to say, because it's really tough to you know, judge prospects, especially most of these guys were double A type of guys. You know, We're not even talking about... Guys were on the verge of making it to the pros, (laughs) Yeah, you know, to the major league. So uh, it's tough to judge them. But considering that all of these guys that the Cardinals moved were rentals, that were going to be free agents anyway, I'm not unhappy with what they got. So I'm going to give them, I'm going to go with a B. I, I think the the Flaherty move. I like what they were able to get there. Uh, they were able to get that Cuban infielder uh, Prieto, who's hitting 349 at stops at Double A and Triple A, um, and they got a couple of pitchers. They ended up getting, I believe, it's seven total pitchers back, and that's what they said they were going to do. They were aiming to get pitching, pitching, pitching. Got a couple of infielders, got a young uh, catcher as well in the Henesis Cabrera deal with Toronto. So they brought in a haul that is going to replenish their prospect system and the idea is that you combine these prospects along with what you do in free agency this offseason where the Cardinals are going to have to spend some money to fill out this rotation and somehow some way you're going to combine those to put a winning team on the
3: field in 2024. And in actual game action you know the thing that happens on the diamond Shohei Otani and the Angels went toe-to-toe with Spencer Strider and the Braves.
0: If you're going to beat a good team you gotta take advantage of every opportunity, and the Angels didn't do that on Tuesday night. Hey everybody, it's Mike Frisch, one half of Locked on Angels. Angels dropped the second game of a three-game set to the Braves 5-1 to on Tuesday night. And it was a game that we knew would be tough because Spencer Strider was on the mound for the Braves. Patrick Sandoval was on the mound for the Angels. And the game was 2-1 to and close for a long time. But then the Braves busted it wide open when Jacob Webb came in and he gave up back-to-back home runs and the lead grew to four runs and eventually the Braves did win 5-1. to The Angels are going to come back. we got a game on Wednesday, early game, and we've got Lucas Giolito on the mound and we're going to tell you how they can win on Locked on Angels. Come and join us.
1: Here is another story you need to know.
3: The Baltimore Orioles seemed like they were perpetually in cell mode. Even last year, when they started to figure it out, they traded players away at the deadline. This year, they were buyers, which Locked On Orioles host Connor Newcomb parts to Locked On's
4: Jeff Carr. Connor, when you first heard this trade was going down, what was your initial reaction?
8: It was relief, especially because the trade came in around 555. Um, and now we know, you know, as we're speaking here, some deals are still coming in because they usually trickle in about a half hour after the deadline. But that's still like, right up to the wire and with the orioles having to send tyler wells down to double a a couple days ago because his arm's been so tired they like needed a starter it wasn't like hey the orioles should upgrade they needed a starter and they weren't doing anything starter after starter was going off the board so the first reaction was just like okay they got a legitimate major league starting pitcher let's breathe and then look into okay what was the actual deal how does he help the orioles
4: and this comes one year after the Orioles just went through the deadline that they had last year, where they decided to sell pieces, even though they were in a, content- a, a position to contend. This year really seems like everything is starting to come together even more so than last year. So this kind of a move only has to send amazing vibes to not only your fan base, but also the team in the locker room.
8: Yeah. And I mean, you know, the O's could have done more and, you know, reporters enticing Orioles fans, connecting them to Justin Verlander all day. Um, and they didn't go get another bullpen piece, which they probably could have used. But it's nice to see that one, they traded for a major league player who's going to help them, gave away prospects, and B, didn't even do the thread the needle thing, you know, where they like traded one major leaguer away and then acquired another major leaguer and two separate deals. Like, Even though they made two moves, because Fujinami was still a deadline move, even though it was two weeks ago, they made two moves and both were buyer moves. So it's really nice to see that after an offseason where, yeah, the Orioles didn't do a lot, but they were, I guess, buyers because they went out and got Cole Irvin and signed a couple of major league free agents. And then they were buyers again at the deadline. It tells you, okay, at least the front office is mostly bought in to making this team better. You know, if it is incrementally, it sometimes is. but. That's that's better than the thread and the needle. And it's better than than last deadline. Like you talked about, you know, trading away from the major league team when they were right in the wildcard picture,
4: every sellers, uh, every selling teams, fan base, favorite team to look at was the Baltimore Orioles because of the girth of prospects that they have in their system. Are you surprised that the deal went down and and you're looking at the two guys that you had with the way that the starting pitching market had gone, Like, do you look at this and you say, boy, that was an overpay? or, Or how are your feelings about the return?
8: Yeah, I feel like in another year, you could call it a slight overpay, but seeing what even the rental starters were going for, you mentioned Michael Lorenzen. I mean, I had heard about what the Tigers were asking the Orioles for Michael Lorenzen. And it was more than this, like more than they, mm-hmm. in terms of the the player, the, the top player in the deal. And so looking at it and saying, you know, Flaherty probably has a higher ceiling than Michael Lorenzen. So I do kind of like this deal. Now, it is interesting, you know, what they give up. Prieto's kind of a like poor man's Luis arise, basically. Like he doesn't strike out. He doesn't walk. He puts everything in play and he's hitting over 300 in AAA. But you may have noticed the Orioles have about a million good infield prospects. So even <laughs> though Prieto's good, there was not really a path for him. Drew Rahm used to be the Orioles' best pitching prospect, not named Grayson Rodriguez. He's really struggled in AAA this year, so it was kind of time for the O's to move on. The thing I say about Rom is, if he were pitching better, he'd be on the Orioles right now. There's a reason he's still in AAA. And then it's kind of interesting right now as we talk. So one Orioles reporter, Rock Kabako, who knows the team well, reported that there's a third piece in the deal, which is a 19-year-old Zach Showalter, who the Orioles drafted out of high school last mm-hmm. year kind of a a young right-handed pitcher with good stuff, but really, really raw guy in low A. No one else has corroborated that report, including Jeff Passan, who just tweeted out deals official and didn't include him. That does make it hurt a little more only because he had some promise. But then you sit back and you go, he's 19. He's raw in low A. The O's weren't seeing him for three plus years. Even if he does become a good pitcher for the Cardinals in 2027, I don't care if Jack Flaherty helps the Orioles in 2023.
4: And that's really where the balance comes from around the trade deadline, right? Especially when you're a team that prides itself on developing from within drafting and, and and basically the bulk of your team is players that have come up through your organization. So there was probably a lot of pride there that the Baltimore front office had to work through itself, even to make this one deal. I kind of feel like it's very desirable for most other fan bases looking at the Orioles as a trade partner so it probably surprised them that the Orioles didn't make more moves because it's easy to be like well we've got all of this all of these chips that we could just push into the center of the table but once again the Orioles kind of relented from doing that but at least they pushed a few chips in there
8: yeah at least they did something and listen like this is no doubt a top five farm system in baseball and and many people think it's number one and these were at most places three of their top 20 prospects now the funny part is all three of these guys most people would rate like somewhere in between 12 and 20. so they didn't give up any other top 10 guys they didn't give up anybody who's been named to a top 100 list anywhere Mm -hmm. and so they still have a lot of talent but i think the cardinals can feel good in that hey we got three players who like prieto and rom could both play in the big leagues this year for the Cardinals. And they got kind of a lottery ticket, interesting 19-year-old pitcher. So it feels like a win-win at this point. And actually, the Orioles just announced the trade and Walter was involved as well. So it was three players. But either way, I think kind of a win-win for both sides. And yeah, would I have liked the Orioles to push it in more and see Dylan Cease or Justin Verlander in an Orioles uniform? Absolutely. But this was a nice step forward for a team that people can't still believe it. But like, They're in first place in the best division in baseball.
3: Stay up to date all year on the Baltimore Orioles by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Orioles on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, the Padres may have had a sneaky good deadline day. Last year, the Padres traded for Juan Soto. You would think that would leave a lasting impression. But Locked On Padres host Javier Reyes feels
0: this year's deadline was his favorite work by the Padres front office. Um, Look, it's it's so funny because as Padres fans, we've... Darius I gotten pretty spoiled, I think, with the trade deadline, with free agency, because of A.J. Preller and company. Everybody knows that people who don't follow baseball know that the Padres have morphed into this unbelievable just gambling you know that the, the the characters you see in movies with the type of risky moves and the type of blockbuster deals that they make so you know this deadline by comparison looks relatively tame um but i actually think that might be one of my favorite deadlines and just overall string of moves that they've had in a while where they didn't really give up too much yes ryan weathers ends up getting sent away he's probably the biggest name that they gave up but He might just be one of those guys that is it. It's just not going to get done here. But he's still young, and I'd be if I'm a Marlins fan, I'd be interested because you know still has decent command, um, still has a pretty good decent changeup. But what I think the Padres did is just sure up their team overall, add some depth, and that's something that this team is been sorely lacking I think that depth is an issue but I also think the players haven't played very well which I think is a big part of it but they got two DHs essentially with Garrett Cooper and G Man Choi both do very very good um, in a lefty righty sort of sense like they could be platoon guys Scott Barlow while he's having a down year is an effective reliever and has been very good before so I think that they basically just got made a lot of moves that aren't going to have a, a huge downside look I understand the take The Padres got a slew of players
3: at the deadline, all potentially guys with a chance to help this team in a potential playoff push. But I'll always take the superstar. I'll just always take the superstar. That's what I want. That's how I know I can sell my fan base on my team. So, okay, I get it if we, you want to get into the nuance, the baseball takes, oh, the needs were this and they've done this. My job as a GM, my really my, my job as a GM is to stay employed. That's my first job. And you know how I stay employed? I trade for a superstar. I trade for arguably the best player in the game. That's what I do. What do you do? So that's that's where I'm always going to land. I understand the, the nuanced cases For adding a a host of players to your team to make it better. I'm just not going to get excited about it. Do I have to? Do I have to? I don't have to, right? I don't have to. And finally, the Detroit Tigers and Los Angeles Dodgers had a deal in place for Tigers ace Eduardo Rodriguez. Then Erod nixed it. In fact, just before Tuesday's deadline, Rodriguez invoked his 10-team no-trade clause that included the Dodgers of all teams. No comment was given as to the specific reasoning behind refusing the deal, but the Tigers and Dodgers did agree on a trade package before learning of the block. The left-handed Rodriguez can opt out of his $77 million five-year deal after this season to become a free agent, which made his trade value tenuous for some teams. As for Detroit, they're looking at the glass half-full. Tigers general manager Scott Harris said, We're excited to get Eduardo back. He sent a very strong message that he likes it here or he just doesn't want to go there. Maybe both. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who's already hurting at NFL training camp? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast as